you also have much more responsibilities. I can barely speak the morning after the last session. We've seen all this kind of slip back in the last few decades. It's kind of surprising that it's taken this long to come to a head. Games Industry Association Yuki predicts that the games industry will have a global worth of $143.6 billion by 2020. That's almost three times as much as what global box office revenue is predicted to reach in the same year. Hollywood have a pretty healthy labour rights movement in the form of unions like SAG-AFTRA and the Actors' Equity Association, so you'd rightfully assume that the games industry would follow suit, but this is far from the case. Let's dig into why, and what some groups of people are doing to try and change that. Labour rights in the games industry first properly took the spotlight in 2016, when performance arts union SAG-AFTRA called a strike against EA, Warner Brothers, Activision and a few other big industry names. They were representing the voice actors who were part of their union, who had experienced some pretty bad working conditions. Hi, I'm Doug Cockle. I've done a lot of video games and the one you might best know me for is Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher. Doug isn't a member of SAG-AFTRA, but he did support the actors who striked. I spoke to him last year about some of the adverse conditions that he'd seen while working in the industry. It was two or three days, I think, of shouting very, very loudly and with a kind of a gruff voice as well. At the end of the recording session, it took about three days to get my voice back. I could barely speak the morning after the last session. And, uh, you know, I mean, just sound wasn't coming out. And as a voice actor, that's the last thing you want. That's absolutely the worst thing you can have happen to you, obviously. Thankfully, at the end of last year, the strikes came to an end, but not without compromise. A lot of what SAG-AFTRA had set out to win, like better schedules to minimise vocal strain and royalty fees, fell to the wayside in negotiations. Even a union that serves as a powerhouse in Hollywood struggled when it came to the games industry, but they're not the only organisation with work cut out for them. My name is Emma. You can find me on Twitter at Emma Kanema, and I'm an organizer with Game Workers Unite. Emma, who is not using her real name to protect herself from employer repercussions, is an organizer for Game Workers Unite, an organization that strives to connect workers, pro-union activists, and allies in building a unionized games industry. And it's been tough. With prevailing attitudes from the era of Reagan and Thatcher, whose neoliberal conservative policies vilified unions and undermined labour rights in order to pave the way for privatisation, many in the Western world see unions as an obstacle. And I feel like we've kind of seen, not just in the United States or UK, but also other previously pretty strong worker pro-union places, and we've seen all this kind of slip back in the last few decades. That's definitely a battle we're having to confront when it comes to talking to people about how we can help improve their labor conditions via unionization. Game Workers Unite came about amidst a controversial panel that went down at GDC. It's a bit of a mess to explain in any great detail, but the gist of it is that one group of game developers set up and hosted a panel about unionisation, and another group of developers saw those running the event as harbouring anti-union sentiments. Adam Smith reported on the panel in full for RPS, which you can check out in the description, but the result of this tension was a sometimes reductionist, sometimes facetious, often heated debate about the pros and cons of unions. Before, during, and after GDC, Game Workers Unite saw an explosion of discourse, much of its support and recruitment. Within about a day or so, we had over 150 people in the group wanting to help write literature, print buttons, make logos, help with a website, reach out to other organizations to meet up while we were all at GDC, talk to press. It got really developed really fast. Despite this support, it's been quite an uphill battle. 
I like to tell people if there are a thousand steps to the future of being a fully unionized games industry, we're at step number like one or two, right? So all of this is personal speculation. I think it'll be probably years down the line, just because again, we're talking about the international games industry. Labor law is so varied from country to country, and even in the United States or Canada, from state to state or province to province, things change so much. So it is going to be a very long, concerted effort that will take lots of time and lots of small wins month after month. But we have had multiple people reach out to us to talk about unionizing their studios, whether they're small or mid-sized indie studios, mobile studios, or AAA. People are really starting to seriously consider this kind of thing. And I think we'll start seeing people within the next year or so making concerted efforts. I don't frankly feel comfortable talking about any particular efforts right now for the sake of the security of any workers doing this unionizing work. But I can definitely tell you that this stuff is happening. We'll start seeing action hopefully within the year. Games industry unionization is at least becoming a lot more popular an idea, but better labour rights in the games industry is a war being waged on a number of different battlefields. Unionising is always going to be the focus, but there are other methods and experiments that are in action, and one of them is radically altering the structure of how game studios operate. That's what artist Ted Anderson and the other workers at Pixel Pushers Union 512 are doing themselves. Pixel Pushers Union, kind of on the IWW's shop democracy model. We don't have any hierarchy. We share in all profits equally across all disciplines, and we decide major decisions within the company democratically across all positions on a purely voluntary basis. So if you want to be a part of a vote, you totally can. If you don't want to be a part of a vote, that's fine too. And it's worked out pretty good. We face challenges to this model, and so far I think we've done pretty good with that. Like initially we were voting on on like every little thing involved with the game and it quickly bogged us down and it was like no 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 no, we don't need to do this we need to trust our departments to do what they can on their own and like if i'm in the art department programming and design probably don't care about my font choice and if they do they'll probably bring it up so they trust me to do a good job on that and i trust them to do a good job of what they're doing it's been a pretty interesting process of trying to do development in a different way one of the things that's really cool, and it sounds almost strange to be proud of it, but when we have votes, I get outvoted sometimes. And it's it's kind of liberating in a strange way to be one of the people who started this whole thing and know that the entire team is there. They, they can all handle this type of stuff. You don't have to feel like you're this kind of ad hoc CEO type character that you have to be like handling everything always yourself. Delegate it out across multiple people and you trust them, you know, know what they're doing. For many developers, most notably in the indie sphere, this way of running a company won't actually feel too foreign or out of place. To a large degree, this happens in a lot of small indie teams anyways, but this, I think, hopefully mitigates the growth of egos, you know, cults of personality around a certain person to get the job done on their own, you know, overlook any kind of flaws they may or may not have. Pixel Pushers aren't the only studio trying an non-hierarchical way of operating. Ever seen gameplay of Dead Cells? It's a bit like if From Software made a Metroidvania game with plenty of whipping, stabbing, and dying in sewers and crypts, and it's been making the rounds at game events and exciting a lot of critics. What you probably didn't know is the French developer Motion Twin are a worker cooperative, so they work in a very similar way as Pixel Pushers. It's a company structure that works well for them, but game designer Sebastian Bernard, who works at Motion Twin, does see some downsides to this way of functioning. You also have much more responsibilities. So, for, for example, if you're a graphic artist or developer, you have the normal part of your job, which is making art or coding something. But you also have to add extra stuff like making sure that the project is going the right way and, for example, the company makes uh, the right decision. According to Sebastian, this way of working requires the right kinds of people. 
I don't believe personally that such a model can be replicated in a very easy way. The reason is that it's really dependent on people. It's not about the model and the structure and the laws and the way you work. It really depends on who is actually working in the company. For example, if you work with someone which is naturally really involved in the decision process, someone who really likes to take on extra subjects like deciding the strategy of the marketing or everything, which is not part of its normal job. When you have someone like this, it's easier to actually build a company like this. But you can also meet uh, very interesting people that are very good at, for example, coding or making graphic stuff on this kind of thing. But they are not, for example, good people for making wider decisions on taking part of strategy on this kind of thing. It's really dependent on the, who you're actually talking to. There's an explosion of discourse over games industry labour rights at the moment, and it's discourse that's probably long overdue. Soon though, that discourse will inevitably evolve into action, and in a number of ways it already has. Game Workers Unite now have branches all across the globe, and according to Emma we should see some big stuff throughout the rest of the year. And with more studios like Pixel Pushers and Motion Twin adopting flat hierarchies to try and better support their employers, it's going to become a more appealing move seeing the successes in that regard. These are also only a few ideas that attempt to produce change, and there's an ocean of other experiments, trials, and theories out there. It's all quite volatile right now, and while nothing can be said for certain about the direction the movement of unionisation and labour rights in the games will take, progress in some way is inevitable, and by the looks of things, it's just around the corner.